SAFM 104-107 Nationwide The Viewpoint Weekdays 8-10pm on SAFM On the viewpoint. SAFM.
21.10. The best hour of my short radio career has just ended. And I would imagine it can only get better from now. We just had as a recap in the first hour, recently retired Constitutional Court, Justice Edwin Cameron talking about his life, his times, his contribution to the judicial order that we now enjoy. Remarkable statistic. 87 Constitutional Court judgments penned by him. Not necessarily in the majority, or unanimously so, but even as a minority judgment, he contributed 87 times in his own hand. And if you insist, in the 25 years he was a justice, in the High Court, in the SCA, Bloemfontein, and most recently here in Hillbrow, Stroke, Bramfontein, Johannesburg, whatever your metric of measuring where the Constitutional Court is, 186 judgments in 25 years. Justice Edwin Cameron, one of the great legal minds to have been produced by this country, and we are eternally, eternally grateful for that. This song that is just played by Asa, A-S-A, Jayla. This new hour, we are in conversation with Professor Pitika Nduli, who's a sculptor, poet, writer, and academic, together with Mr. Craig Mark, who's a director at Melrose Gallery. We're having a conversation about Heritage Month, obviously, the African narrative, using the arts to tell our story and to teach and preserve our heritage. Heritage Month is designed to provide an opportunity for South African citizens to embrace our country's curious cultures. It is a month where we are supposed to commemorate and celebrate our triumphs and our diversity. But the question is, are we doing this? Is the history and heritage of South Africa presented in a way that involves all the people of this land? We also look at the role of galleries and museums in our heritage and in our efforts to tell an authentic South African story. And perhaps I might add, having gone to the museum in Washington, D.C., not far from Washington Monument, the African-American History Museum, so much of our own history artifacts are in that particular museum, from Izigo Museum in Cape Town specifically documenting the slave trade and the transatlantic movement of our forefathers and foremothers. In the context of museums, in the context of telling our stories through art, how much of African art, South African art in particular, is not controlled by us? I know if you look at the Francophone nations, it's all in France. It's all in France. Questions we have to vex with. Let's take a quick ad break before we return to this vexing question. Please stay tuned. The first Heritage Day was instituted in 1995 after the first free elections that spelled the end of apartheid and the beginning of a new non-racially based democracy. Hashtag United in Diversity. SAFM, leading the Heritage Month conversation. SAFM, 104 to 107, nationwide. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Let's answer those questions at 21.13 with the Melrose Gallery's director, Mr. Craig Mark. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Craig. Your call has been placed on hold. Please wait. <laughs> My call's been placed on hold. 
What a pity. Nonetheless, we're going to get hold of them. I beg your pardon for that. It's 21.14, time for the African narrative here on Tuesday. Just a recap, we've just had Justice Edwin Cameron. We are waiting to get on the line Mr. Craig Mark, who's the director of the Melrose Gallery, together with renowned sculptor Professor Pitika Nduli, who's also not just a sculptor but a poet, writer, and academic. I have it on good authority from Vanessa and Phineas that Craig Mark is on the line and is back. Good evening, Craig. Sorry about that. Are you well? Good evening. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Coming up with the line there. Not to worry. Let's talk about Heritage Month. Let's talk about art being used to tell this story in this month, September. So we've got quite a crazy um, run of arts and culture happening in, in Joburg over this September. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of art fairs, including um, one that we're running at Mara's Arts, which is Sculptex, which is a focus on sculpture. It's about 295 sculptures by 90 established and emerging artists from all over the country mm. that is showcased at Melrose. But on top of that, there's the Joburg Art Fair, there's Latitudes, there's the underlying Curator Fair all running. So there's a huge amount of visual arts on the go during September in Joburg. I would imagine the theme is obviously heritage, but do you want to unpack the theme of heritage in the context of these many exhibitions that are taking place in the month of Heritage Month, September, so that we can really tie in the context that this art, when one engages these many galleries and exhibitions throughout the month of September, one can find expression and many of the stories that are on this land and about these people in these museums and galleries. So I, I can talk from SculptX um, perspective, sure. considering that that's the um, initiative that we're responsible for. Um, and there you've got an incredible amount of stories. Um, you've got Professor Patika and Tulu who's got a, a body of, of seven large granite works that he has carved over numerous years that are exhibited at Maurer's and those range from 18 tons to um, three, four tons. So these are, are huge monuments that are on exhibition. Um, the one is called Quantum People, um, which speaks to um, the African Union and the development goals, sustainable development goals. And then um, a body of six works speak to apartheid and um, that whole um, kind of legacy of apartheid running forward through to, to the future. So those are all on display. But we've got works by Mamnoria Mabasa, the 81-year-old, um, incredibly well-respected sculptor from um, Limpopo. Um, Colin Maswangani and his father, Johannes Maswangani, also huge names from Limpopo. Um, Billy Bester, who's one of South Africa's foremost resistance artists, um, sculptor who works in scrap metal that he gathers from um, scrap heaps that tells these incredible stories about um, social, economic, political injustice and the fight against that. So there's just this incredible body of work um, made from steel, from glass, from crystal, from wood, from trash, um, and all these sculptures just having this conversation, this beautiful conversation at at Melrose, with a whole little walkabout, um, 
Professor Patikan Tuli will be doing a, a series of um, poetry reading and storytelling at Melrose um, during this month. So yeah, there's a, a lot on the go, a lot of very, very tarting uh, arts and culture-related initiatives. It's 18 minutes past, 21 hours this What's today? Today, Tuesday. Tuesday, we are in conversation with Mr. Craig Mark, the director at the Melrose Gallery, giving us more information as to the many art exhibitions, particularly telling the stay, telling the tale of South Africa's heritage in this month of Heritage Month. If you wish to contribute from an artistic flair perspective and how art can be used to tell a story, to preserve culture, to preserve identities, to entrench identities, and to forge more importantly new identities in this the 21st century, we would please welcome your calls on 0891104207. Mark is here to answer your question and to contribute to some of your contributions as well. Mark, let's talk about the fact that art, certainly here in South Africa, perhaps doesn't enjoy the kind of prominence that you would find in your more developed countries. I say this simply because I have reference point of the UK and the US, places that I've had the great privilege of having visited and engaging and interfacing with history in my wanton ways in sort of moving almost aimlessly about the cities of London and Washington in that their art almost is an exhibition in everyday life in that it's in spaces where the public can ordinarily meet, not necessarily always having to pay to see, but because it occupies prominent spaces in the square at the prominent traffic lights on the main road or at the top of this massive building that is celebrated. Are there ways in which you think South Africa could develop the kind of appeal through art in telling the many stories that this land has to offer but are not capitalizing on? I think South Africa's got a a very unique history. Um, If you look back to the earliest man, you know, there's always been art, and art in Africa has always been a, a major part of our daily life. Um, but I think that a large portion of the population um, have not had the means and have had um, much more important things to think about on a daily basis, um, basic survival. Um, so going, spending money to get in a taxi, to spend a day paying money to get into a museum um, is just not and hasn't been on the majority of our people's kind of focus. Um, so when you look at something like the Smithsonian Museum in mm. Washington, yes, US, yes. they yeah. get like 17 million people through that museum every year. Whilst in South Africa, we don't really have this type of um, daily thing where you go and visit a museum. It's just not part of our very few people in South Africa ever go into an art gallery um, and, and experience art at a gallery or a museum. And that is something that we need to, to change. Um, and um, But we need to obviously bear in mind um, economic issues and issues that affect, um, you know, the, the opportunity um, for a lot of our people to afford to go to these type of places. Um, we, so I, I think something like this initiative in Melrose Arts is important because although Melrose Arts is, is seen by many to be like an exclusive space, it is open to the public. Um, we've got a public 
sculpture park which we've set up where there's large sculptures around the precinct. The gallery is there and it's free of charge. And um, anybody 24 hours a day can visit the precinct and walk around mm. and view these sculptures um, and come into the gallery free of charge and, and view all these different exhibitions that we set up in multiple spaces around Mauro's Art. So I think Sculptex is an important initiative because it brings emerging artists together with um, established artists, which is often not something that is it's a bit frowned upon by um, curators who would be curating a very serious exhibition. Um, often you wouldn't put major artists together with, with emerging talent. Um, but this is an affair where we're able to take some liberty. So to take 295 sculptures, put it all in one precinct, it's crazy busy, the energy is crazy, and then open that up to the general public so that they can just come and enjoy, they don't need to spend any money and they, they can just enjoy the art. I think these type of things we need to do more in South Africa, I think um, subsidizing tours to museums and um, putting more effort into pulling um, school students um, through our different spaces. Mm, mm. I think things like that is, is something that that government schools and um, all of us need to, to also address to try and get more and more children um, through these spaces. But I think parents as well, um, just bringing your children through galleries and introducing them to art creates a love um, for art and, and just makes children look at it from a different perspective. Let's talk about perspectives, and I'm going to bring in, in the conversation now Chief Croft, who's the spokesperson of the Khoi and San Provincial Council in the Eastern Cape, because I think when we talk about heritage, we cannot forget, if you like, or we cannot p- continue the the marginalization of what in South African terms would be referred to as a minority community, but in many respects who are the originals, if you like, the original people of this country. That's the Khoi and the San people, who President Tabombeke refers to as the first to lose their lives in the battle and defense of our freedom. Chief Croft, good evening, sir. Hi, good evening, and good evening to all the listeners. Yes, sir. Chief Croft, um, I'm just going to ask you a, a, a brief question because I'm not so sure... Are you there? I'm here. Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much. Let's talk about heritage. Let's talk about the interests of the San and the Khoi communities who, with respect in many respects, have been sort of on the periphery and yet their place in the land where we are now having this conversation is so sacrosanct because of their history with it and the fact that, as President Mbeki refers to them as, they were first to lose their lives in the defense of our freedoms, most notably the land. When we talk about heritage, what does heritage mean for the community that you speak on behalf of? There's a saying in in our Khoi language, it says, Sorry, the Akai, the Akai, it means that our strength is in who we are. Unless we as a people discover who we are, you will forever be lost. Now, we as a people of the Khoi and the San, I'm so happy for you, it refers to the former president, Tabun Berkeley. Tabun Berkeley says, and I quote, I owe my being to the Khoi and the San. Most people in the world, not only in Africa, most people owe their being to the Khoi and the San. 
We started on Sunday, on the 1st of September, we launched a program called Who Am I? It is when we take a few people through a, a ceremony, what we call from colored to koi. Unless our people understand and ask those four fundamental questions. Mm. What is a colored? Where does the term colored come from? Who made it law and why? We as a people need to understand where we came from, where we are, and where we are heading. This month alone, we're planning to visit 52 different schools in our area, talking about this theme, who am I? Focusing on those four fundamental questions. On the 21st of September this month, we will have what we call a Doro. A Doro is like an initiation where we take the young boy through that now. It's called a now. It is one of our rituals for the young boys that develop into manhood. We're going to take young boys between the age of 11 to 14 through a now, where these boys must understand their roles in society. Then we will also take the young daughters between the age of 10 to 14 through a ritual called Nabab. The Nabab is when we take the young daughter through the ritual, through the now, where she also understands what is the rules and responsibilities of a young daughter within the society. Let's talk about the koi and the sand art. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily just want to disrespect and move away from that. Can we just park that particular discussion that we're delving into, important as it is? But let's talk about the koi and the sand history. Let's talk about its heritage in an artistic form. I grew up, for instance, in Whittlesea, in the hills of Mtambalala, where my father and my forefathers come from. There were sand and koi paintings at a place that we refer to affectionately as where our ancestors are even now. And those arts, that painting is there. Is there another way of preserving the historical significance of those arts in museum where at least for the purposes of the erosion, that is guaranteed to remain outside us having to discover, if you will, these paintings through our boyish, wondrous ways and coming across rock painting. Is there a way in which we can really preserve this precious history? The first thing that we must do as the Koi and the San leadership is we have to change the, the narrative. There is one, in, in the statement of former President Tabum Becky, he says, and they lost, they lose their lives and they almost became extinct. Mm, mm. Now, our people did not die and got lost all. What, what happened is most of people currently with a so-called colored label we need to understand who we are. The koi paintings, the rock art, is one of the footprints of our people. Then we have our legacy, our culture, and our language. If we can preserve our language, because our language describes who we are. We as a people, we have Queen Katrina in the Northern Cape. She's busy preserving the new language. And she opened a school where she teaches other children who can preserve that culture because in language is culture. If you don't speak a language of your origin, you are already lost because you don't know where you came from. In, in Rimfasmak, the Nama language was launched 
we as a people need to preserve, need to exercise, and we need to grow and develop into our indigenous languages. That is also another way for us to preserve our history. We're in conversation with Chief Croft, who's the spokesperson of the COI and the San Provincial Council in the Eastern Cape, whose voice you've just heard, together with the director at Melrose Gallery, Mr. Craig Mark. We're talking about art, we're talking about heritage, we're talking about preserving stories which, if they are not told through art, if they can't be told through art, we run the risk of losing them and losing them almost forever. And earlier on Sculpt X 2019, the Melrose Gallery is unveiling seven large granite works by the iconic sculptor that Mark has already referred to, Craig Mark, that is, Begitantu. On the show for the first time ever, these powerful works recount South Africa's historical struggle against the apartheid regime individually and collectively. They detail specific moments and aspects of the struggle. Craig, let's talk about these pieces of art, the seven in particular. It's Ascaris, it's Defiance, it's Gaining Perspective, it's Weapons of Culture, Conspiracies and Whispers, Vigilance, Still We Must Rise. Take us through these artworks and what they signify. Um. So they are positioned on um, the square um, outside where the Moyo's restaurant is. Um, And I would recommend that people go down and actually view them in the square because they've almost got a presence um, looking over the square um, that's almost quite spiritual in in, in nature. It's very powerful what's happening within that space. And um, each piece speaks to a different issue in relation to apartheid. Um, just for example, one of the pieces speaks to um, ladies, females who were imprisoned but yet had to give birth um, in extraordinary, um, you know, horrific um, and inhumane conditions. And um, while Patika's works are very hard-hitting and speak to very um, very difficult and very um, traumatic experiences often. Um, he, he seems to have this positive um, type of all of his works in the end of the day seem to have a, a positive message in terms of the future. Um, so another piece is when you first glance at it, has um, what looks like a white person strangling a black person. But when you have a look at the piece very carefully, you see one arm, which is around the black person's neck, goes around the black person, and then the two people end up in what what is kind of an embrace. Mm. So it, it's they always in in Tika's work there is always this positive message at the end of the day. You're talking specifically about gaining perspective. While the dominant discourse about apartheid speaks of white versus black, in reality the struggle was more complex with examples of black and white collaboration. That particular artwork that you're referring to is gaining perspectives. And perhaps just to bring in the callers in this conversation, please, 0891104207, if you wish to contribute from an artistic flair perspective, what it is that we can do as a nation to gain more um, narratives, if you like, that are going to be unlocked through art, through the skills that many South Africans have, 
and how we can, through art, tell more stories than we already are. A lot of the stories that South Africa tells are obviously through historical accounts, which because of time get lost because obviously the oral history narratives, albeit part of the African culture, in many respects cannot be sustained because of the changing of the story depending on who is telling it. Let's talk about how art then can fill in a void, if you like, that currently exists. We're also in conversation with Chief Croft of the Khoi and the San Provincial Council in the Eastern Cape, conversing about how art, particularly as it pertains to the community that he represents now, the Khoi and the San people, can also be used to tell the story. And on that account, Chief Croft, let's talk more about, for instance, how we as a people who fall in, if you like, the descriptions that fall and to be described as the majority, how can we make sure that the Khoi and the San community in large here in South Africa enjoys a kind of prominence that is worth it as opposed to the lack of prominence that it currently does not enjoy? For instance, you've been camping at least a certain community representing the Khoi and the San interests at the union buildings. Have we made strides? Are we making strides in making sure that your voices albeit in number small, but nonetheless relevant. We saw early on at the opening of Parliament this year, for the first time ever in 25 years of the opening of Parliament, we had an imbongi in the Khoi and the San language. What more can we do to entrench your presence, to validate your being? Not because you are lesser, but because actually you are. Chief that Pro- is the most profound question I ever heard someone ask. What can we do? Now, it's very important to understand that we as a people, the Khoi and the Sam, when you refer to the rock art, there there are some of the farms currently within South Africa mm-hmm. that we don't have we don't have access to those farms, and some of those farms has caves in it and rock art written all over it, and we as a, a community of Khoi and San, the community itself doesn't even have access to those farms. There's one farm in particular that I know. I begged the farmer to give me access to that cave. He told me this is private land. You can't enter it. Now, some of the rock art, when you look at the paintings, mm. it tells pictures. Most of our, now, many, many years ago, if you notice that there were no paper, and our people made use to use of the rocks to write stories. Mm. Our people, that was, there in the caves those years. I mean, my ancestors were one of the most intelligent beings you can ever find on the planet. How can they come up with paint that can last for centuries and years, mm, millions mm. of years? They even paint a story on the, in, in form of rock art. And when you sit and look at this rock art, you can find three books only in one story that is written on the rocks. So my ancestors were very intelligent. So I'm asking and I'm pleading, and thank you very much for this question. The question is, how can South Africa at large assist us as Khoi and San people to make sure our existence is relevant? I'm asking for those farmers who have farms where our rock art is. Please don't close your gates. Please don't close your doors. Allow us as Khoi and San community, because some of those cases, when we get there, we connect with our ancestors mm, mm, and mm, we mm. feel the presence. It's a spiritual thing because some of the rock art, it portrays how evil spirits left our people. You will see how the, uh, how, how spiritual dances took place and how our people became uh, so emotional while sitting around the fire. 
There's someone that is called the shaman. When the shaman becomes so spiritual, that the evil spirit departs from a person around the fire. And those are all captured in rock art. You're very emotional about this. And I think, Chief Croft, you and I met in Port Elizabeth sometime in April this year at Nelson Mandela Uni- Metropolitan University because your voice and how it sounds, you sound very much like the gentleman I met there and we had this long engagement. Could I be right? Song is on my better from SAFM viewpoint. It was a particular I, I, Thursday. I am, I am the gentleman that I you met as at, much. at NMMU. And please believe me, I am very emotional when it comes to access denied to our people, things that belongs to us. How can you not allow us as Khoi and San communities to connect with our ancestors? Our beings will feel at home when we're there. Even when we go to the shore, there are ancient fish spirits at certain beaches. When we are there, we can feel the presence of our ancestors. And yet we are denied that opportunity just to, just to be there in the presence. I want to refer to you just now. Let me just quickly close off the conversation that I'm having with Mr. Craig Mark as well, who is the director at Melrose Gallery. So, Mark, you mentioned that this is going on until the end of the month. Is there anything else that we have not yet canvassed in this particular conversation that you wish before you sign out, please? Could I just make a bit of a comment? Um, I think that your um, discussion that you're having with Chief Croft, yes, and with the chief is um, is very exciting. Um, you know, we represent um, Mamesta Maflangu globally. And when I look at Mamesta Maflangu and how she has looked at the Ndebele culture and was the first person to take the Ndebele design and put that into a contemporary type format in terms of canvases, um, I believe that something similar um, could have a lot of opportunity and potential for mm-hmm. the sand as well. So looking at, and maybe this is a discussion that maybe we should enter into, is is there a way that the same stories and the same artwork can be told in a contemporary way, in a form of artwork that could be created and sold, um, thereby benefiting um, the community and the artists who created? Absolutely. I think there, you know, the Aborigines... Um, the Native Americans, um, artwork created by those indigenous people um, have been reinterpreted by the people as contemporary art, and there are very strong collector bases who are interested in that story. And I think that we should definitely... There's an opportunity there to explore that. I shall certainly use this opportunity because I think this is probably at least a victory, however small it may be, that Chief Croft representing the people of the Khoi and the San in the Eastern Cape Provincial Council, who are led actually by Chief Chrysilla. This is something which is a start in the right direction. Before we continue this conversation, as I will round it off with Chief Croft, who is, I remind you, the spokesperson of the Khoi and San Provincial Council in the Eastern Cape, let's take a quick ad break. It is 21.40 before we wrap up the conversation with a two-minute that will remain after the sad break. On the viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chief Croft, are you there? I'm here. Brother, how is yes, Chief Chrysilla? Because I met her and I shook her hand and I hugged her. How is she? Um, I haven't seen her in a while. I'm actually now on my way to Pretoria as we are speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen her in a while, but... From from the photos that we we saw, she's doing very well. 
it is just that if people understand, it took us almost 400 years to get where we are today. Mm. And because of a language that was taken away from us, because of a culture that was destroyed, because of identity that was almost vanished, it takes us a while to get here. I mean, for example, for me to say to you, it took me a while to get there. Now, I have to pay... I have to sacrifice, I have to do a lot to be where I am today, unnecessarily. If my culture wasn't taken away from me, if my language wasn't taken away from me, I mean, if whoever came here into Southern Africa, just saw us, leave us alone, and life will continue. Where would have we been? Because if we could have designed a paint those years, it can last for centuries. Imagine what my ancestors would have designed and created if they can come up with something like that. They can last forever. Kai so it's, a, it's a very emotional thing, my brother. Can for I say this? Koi and some people. And then we have to fight our way through. Just to, for example, me, I, if, if I wear normal clothes, mm, like petty mm, and mm, jeans, mm, people mm. see me as a colored. Mm, mm. The moment I wear skins, the same person, they look at me different. Why? And Why you are less. I wear skins to say I'm a koi. Yeah, yeah. My brother, um, I'm not cutting you. I, I have to cut you for want of time. I can guarantee you this, and we will have this conversation again, and we will dedicate a mo- lot more time in having these conversations because we are equally made up of the minority and I use that very sparingly even reservedly if not advisedly I use the term minority very advisedly but this month fortunately it's only the beginning thereof and I can guarantee you if ever my word means anything to you because I had said in April earlier this year we would meet again we haven't met but we're certainly speaking again we will have this conversation again I I, I can guarantee you at least that much my number on air and all those farmers who, who want to grant us access to their farms where there's rock art, can they please call me? Number. My number is my number is zero seven two one seven four one seven zero two zero seven two one seven four one seven zero two. Please, we beg of you, help us. Absolutely, I will make our sure. I will so make we can sure. move forward together. I will Thank make you sure. very much, sir. And in your language, you would say "kai gan gum." I can in our language. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Oh, Gumnandu was. 2145, it's time for the Daily Soapy. Thank you so much to Chief Croft.